Aren't you thankful we serve a God that's worthy of praise? Not one of these silly idols made out of our own hands, out of wood, clay, iron, gold. We serve the living God. And if that wasn't enough, we have in Jesus Christ a brother who's experienced everything we might. I didn't plan on starting this way, but I want to draw our attention to Luke chapter 4 for a moment. Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. Y'all know that story, and we're not going to take it as a really a text, I'm not going to expand on it, I just felt like I needed to read it, because the message today, this is a reminder, sometimes we think having God exempts us from problems. Sometimes we think if we're spiritual, then we don't have to deal with anything bad or hard. Listen, Jesus, being full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Let me just begin by saying that. Sometimes your trials, your temptations, your difficulties, your pain is not an evidence of your weakness, but an evidence of God working in you. The opposite is also true. Sometimes your suffering is just because you made some bad choices. I mean, that's true too sometimes. And I can't say about every circumstance in each of your lives which is the case or a combination of each one. But what I can tell you for sure is just because things are sometimes hard or when they're hard, it doesn't mean God's given up or He's walked away or He's mad at you or He's punishing you. I hear people say stuff and I think, you don't serve the same God I serve. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I I said, aren't you thankful the Lord is not hard on us? Like Sister Patty said, he doesn't expect much out of us. And she said, I feel like he expects a lot out of me, and he's punishing me. And I thought, I don't feel that way. God has never treated me a way to make me feel that way. I feel like he's more merciful than he should be sometimes. And treats me better than I ever deserve. With that in mind, that Jesus himself, being filled with the Spirit, endured more temptation than any of us could ever comprehend. Forty days at the hand of Satan. Uh, We'll get into the message. The title God has given me, this has been on my heart for some time now. When Tragedy Strikes. Does that title alone bring something to your mind or heart? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you been through tragedy? Have you had tragedy happen? When I say when tragedy strikes, do you, do you feel it? Because you've, you've, you've had it. You've had some kind of loss. You've had some kind of pain. You've had suffering. You've had tragedy. I want to begin by having us examine that phrase. And I, I, this, this particular phrase was on my heart. When tragedy strikes. It's a common way we say things in English. But I want to ask you, is it biblical? That's one thing I want you to consider as we go through this message. When tragedy strikes, we get a sense of an underlying meaning from the very wording of that sentence. It's as if tragedy itself has its own will and purpose to destroy us. That it wants to strike, 
cause suffering and ultimately destroy. And it implies, when we use language like that, that you have no choice in the matter. When tragedy strikes, like it's a powerful force that you can do nothing about. And I'll ask again, is that idea scriptural? No doubt we suffer, no doubt we have pain, no doubt we go through things that are, that are extremely difficult and maybe we don't even have words for it. But is it appropriate to think of it like tragedy striking us? This kind of language ascribes to tragedy a sort of anthropomorphic power. But I want to remind you the power is in Jesus. The power is in the blood of Christ which has been shed to cover past, present, and future, every sin, every circumstance, every decision, every problem you will ever have has already been atoned for. So in one sense, although we know exactly what we're talking about when we use language like this, when tragedy strikes, you know what I mean. I don't even have to describe it. That is true, but let me tell you something that's more true. There's no such thing as tragedy. There is no force in the world called tragedy. That comes from the Greek gods, the pagan gods of old. That idea is not something that we have to submit to. You know what there is? God. There's life. There's your choices. And our God is great enough to help us through everything, no matter what we call it. The power in the blood of Jesus is greater than any tragedy, grief, despair, discouragement, pain, suffering. None of it has to have control over you. You know why? You're not under the law, but under grace. And if you're not under the law, you're certainly not under any false law that has to do with fate. <laughs> this is embedded. I've spent time on this because it's in the air around us. It's even in our Christmas song. Songs. The, the, you know that one song that says, uh, Through the years we all will be together if the fates allow. Happy-go-lucky song has pagan gods embedded in it. The fates, that's what they are. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Tragedy, yeah, bad things happen. But it's not some force that can overtake you. Our God is greater. And what we need to recognize is, Lord... What do you want to do with this? How do you want to redeem this? How do you want me to stand in the midst of this? What are you trying to teach me with this? How can I learn from this? How do you want to mold me and shape me into somebody that can be better be used by you through this? There's no such thing as wasted experience and more important to this message today, there's no such thing as wasted suffering. Every suffering, whatever word you use, tragedy, pain, whatever, tribulation, everything you go through that is hard, God intends to use. We're told in Scripture that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. There is a weight of glory waiting for the people of God that's going to be revealed in you one day. And whatever you go through in this life, it's not even worthy of comparison. doesn't mean it's not hard. But that's the truth. That's the truth. Tragedy doesn't strike. Life happens. 
we're the Lord's. And we don't have to worry about forces of fate or ill will or any of this stuff. We're the Lord's. Let me ask you, when these things happen, when hard things happen, when life is tough, when, when you suffer, we do suffer. I'll, I'll use that word the rest of the message. When you suffer, you have any control over it? Is there anything you can do? How should you handle it? Or should you try to handle it? If you look up the word tragedy in the dictionary, it says an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress, such as a serious accident, crime, or natural catastrophe. So, to be very clear, do God's people experience tragedy in that sense? Yeah, we're human. And part of the human condition is having bad things happen. We don't like it. One day we won't have to deal with that anymore. But that's part of being here. Bad things happen. A lot of good things happen too. So yes, we experience tragedy. Should we be prepared to experience suffering and hardships? Better believe it. Some of you all have heard me say this, but it's such a profound impact, I'm going to repeat it. I've had a chance a few times to speak at Do-Re-Mi to children. Some of the best opportunities I've had. And this particular day I preach, and they only give you, they make sure, five or ten minutes. And you still follow the Lord, but, but you try to be respectful in those time constraints. And what God gave me that day to these little kids was, your life is going to be hard. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve-year-olds. Say, that's a weird message to give kids. No, it's true. And we need to be prepared, brothers and sisters. Some of you have already learned this lesson. You've already recognized it. And so when things are hard, you don't melt and you don't, you're not surprised by it. But what I want to remind you, sometimes things are going to be hard. And I asked a moment ago, should we be prepared? Should we be ready? Listen to this, 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. How many times does something bad happen in life and we sit around feeling sorry for ourselves, moping, why did this happen? Why did it... Don't be surprised. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. What I told you at the beginning of this message, I can tell you with words, you can believe me, but one day you're going to experience what I said. His glory is going to overshadow everything you've ever felt. And then you're going to say, yep, Brother Josh was right. I feel it now. (laughs) And I am too. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. We we whine and complain about that one too. Our culture doesn't like us anymore. So what? It wasn't ever supposed to like us. We've always supposed to be separate from the culture. Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. Be ye separate, says the Lord, and I will restore you. You remember when the Israelites used to go to battle when Joshua was over them through the Lord and they would go to battle and he would say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among us. 
We're supposed to be separate. That's what sanctified means, set apart. It shouldn't surprise us when people don't like the things we stand for. When It shouldn't make us second guess our position. Especially young people, you listen to me, you stand. Don't worry about what the culture says. They don't know what they're talking about. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, blessed are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now he clarifies. And there's some people today who need to hear this, religious people. Some people think suffering in general is good. If I can just be miserable all the time, God's really proud of me. Listen to this part. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Wow. Being a, this, this didn't hit me to this way till just now. Being a busybody in somebody else's matters could be just as troublesome to your life as being a criminal. Mind your own business. Keep your eyes on God. Don't worry about your brother or sister. Love them. Maybe God will put something on your heart to tell them. There's been times God has, has burdened me to tell somebody something direct and hard. And He used it. But most of the time I need to just keep my own business, over, you know, focus on what I need to do. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer. Sometimes people, they make really bad decisions and they blame God. God didn't make you kill somebody. He didn't make you steal. He didn't make you do any evil. It's, it's ridiculous and unscriptural to blame God for your bad choices. And we've all made some, haven't we? Some of them are more visible than others, but I've made bad choices. I don't blame God for any of them because He didn't make me do it. And we're told in Scripture, don't, don't suffer for these things. God's not impressed and He doesn't need you to bring suffering upon your own life. There'll be enough of that without you making it worse. What He wants is for you to focus on joy and goodness and kindness and love and truth and hope and all the joys of, and, 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 and attributes of the Spirit. He continues, Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. If we take this passage from Peter, in the context of this message that's on my heart today, this sort of gives us a, some type of blueprint for how to approach hard situations. When tragedy strikes, if you want to use that term. What, what, how do you do, what do you do about it? Well... Is this problem I'm experiencing, is it because I did something I shouldn't have? And, and I don't mean God is getting me because I did something I shouldn't have. I mean, first of all, am I just experiencing the consequences of my own choices? And I can tell you in my own life, that's true most of the time. When something hard happens, it's just because I, I didn't make the best decision I could have. Can you all attest, is it like that for some of you? We shouldn't suffer because of our own sin. And if we do suffer because of our own sin, we should repent. Not glory in it. Not be glad how hard things are. We don't have to assume when something bad happens that God did it to us or God's punishing us. It doesn't make sense. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't punish people indiscriminately and not tell them why. Have, have you, you, you've talked to people. Maybe, maybe you've felt this way before. This bad thing happens and you say, I don't know why God is doing this to me. Are you sure He's doing it to you? 
Are you sure it wasn't the culmination of many choices you made over a period of time? And now He'll redeem you from it. Be sure about that. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes God does do things to us. He does sometimes have to punish us and and teach us. Those He loves, He chastens. That is true. But He's still more, more merciful than we can imagine. So, I guess if I could start by saying that, don't, when something hard happens, don't automatically assume God's being mean to you. It's probably not God doing something to you. It's probably life, either your sin or somebody else's sin. That's most of our problems. And if we can get that, then we can repent and get past it. Because our sins have already been covered if we're saved. If we could get this one truth... I wouldn't have to keep preaching ever. Jesus has forgiven you already. That's what salvation is. You have already been forgiven for everything. One of my very favorite scriptures, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How is there no condemnation? Because the blood of Jesus has already covered all of your sins. The ones you committed and repented of, the ones you forgot to repent of, all of it. The ones you haven't done yet, because you're going to sin some more. Of course we shouldn't continue in sin that grace may abound. That's just silly. God forbid, how shall we who are dead to sin continue to live any longer therein? But we're going to sin. And if you are saved, God has already forgiven you. It doesn't mean you don't need to repent. You do. But He has such unconditional love for His children. When we do repent, it's as if He says, Thank you, I've already forgiven you. Think about that in your hard situations in life. So when these tough things happen, when tragedy strikes, when life is difficult, how should we respond? I don't have a, like a list of this, but just a few things that, that I thought of. We should respond whatever happens with honesty. That's the first thing. When life is hard, you're not doing yourself or anybody else any good to pretend it's not. Be honest. The last couple of weeks with my family, my wife, have been hard. Y'all know that. And I'm not here putting on a happy face. I'm here being myself, and the Lord blessed us. We felt His presence already, and it made me feel better. It gave me joy. It doesn't mean things aren't still hard. When things are difficult, we should respond with integrity, like Job. When life is tough, when our very foundation is shaken, it shouldn't shake our spiritual foundation. It's part of being a man, part of being a woman, part of growing up. You don't change what you believe circumstantially. And what what we know about the Lord is deeper than just believing something about Him. It's knowing Him. And He doesn't change just because something in our life changed. Even when it's hard, we can stand with integrity. Sometimes we respond with grief when it's appropriate. I want you to know, I want you to hear this. Some of y'all have sufferings and hardness and sadness that maybe nobody knows about. Maybe they do know about it. But grief is natural. It's appropriate and it's okay. I've known some people who think it's wrong to be sad. 
No, it's wrong to be fake. Sometimes you're sad. Jesus, who never sinned, wept over Lazarus. Jesus wept because he was sad. He had grief. And the people looked at him and they said, Oh, behold how he loved him. What showed them Jesus' love for his friend? His grief. Don't cover up your grief when you need it. Don't cover up your sadness. Don't cover up uh, these pains when it's right. Just having grief is not sin. Heartache and similar emotions are things that God's people also experience. We experience it all. We're supposed to. Because we don't stop being human when God saves us. We get a new foundation. We get a new heart and a new head in that sense. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel heavy. It's okay even to have despair. Here's what I don't want you to hear. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. Why? Because you can't live there. And God's people are called to live, not just to exist. This is heavy on my heart. Life's hard sometimes. Feel it. Grieve over it. Cry if you need to. Yell if you need to. Have an angry prayer with God if you need to. But don't stay there because that's not living. God's called us to live. I want you to know this. You might walk through valleys filled with the shadows of death. But don't stay there. Those valleys are not where God expects you to stop. So when you're going through something tough, hard, that's heavier than you can handle, maybe not today. Maybe it was a few years ago for you. Maybe it was last week or maybe it's coming. When you're going through hard things, when you're going through valleys of dark shadows, don't stop. Don't give up. Keep walking through that valley. You won't always be in darkness. You won't always be surrounded by shadows. Just keep walking. Keep going. Keep standing. Keep on keeping on. My grandfather said that so many times. Keep on keeping on. And your faithfulness to the Lord in the midst of dark valleys will be a light to people. You might not even realize it until later or maybe never, maybe not till heaven. But I think the Lord uses our hard times uh, probably more than the good times to be a light to people. Because then they see and they think, how can you still be a nice person through that? How can you still have love through that? How can you still care through that? Or how can you recover from that? How can you come back from that? How can you rebuild from that? Because God can do all of that for us. 1 Peter 1.6 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Listen, sometimes we have seasons of heaviness. That's okay. Seasons of rejoicing will follow. We don't need to fake it. We don't need to pretend we're happy when we're not. This was said a couple weeks ago. We don't need to create an atmosphere here. That's not our job. Our job when we assemble together is to keep our eyes on the Lord, worship Him, and be honest with each other. He'll create the atmosphere He wants to. Sometimes it'll be an atmosphere that includes excitement and joy, and sometimes it'll be an atmosphere that includes healing from brokenness. He knows. 
We don't have to worry about it. Sometimes we pray, this got me. The Lord put it on my heart. Five years ago, he showed me this. Sometimes we pray, remove this thorn from me. But we don't realize this situation or thing that's bothering us isn't a thorn in my flesh. It's a battle I'm in. There's a world of difference. That's why Paul, when he prayed for the thorn in his flesh to be removed, he prayed sincerely about it three times, and then he never prayed about it again. He was done. He said, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in thy weakness. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a thorn because we think it's in our flesh. We think this is something bothering me because sometimes we think it's about me. And we forget this is the important thing. What if it's not a thorn in your flesh but a battle you're in? There's times God cannot remove us from the battle because we're soldiers. And soldiers are called to stand in battle. Not to be exempted from it. I wish I could express the depth of how real I feel that this morning. I can only pray the Holy Spirit shows you like he showed me. Sometimes God doesn't take the thing away because it's not a thing to take away. It's life that you're in. And the only way to take you away would be to kill you. And it's not time for that. Because you're still alive because there's still something God wants you to do. Your purpose hasn't been fulfilled. You're not done serving as a soldier. It's not time to lay down your weapons yet. This life, in some sense, is supposed to be a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's life. And I feel like we could be more effective as soldiers of Christ if we would accept it and say, Lord, when you saved me, although you made me a freeman, like our brother preached last week, a slave and free, you also made me a soldier. (laughs) And we don't like language like this, but when God saved you, you were conscripted into his army. And you don't get out until you die. And that's not a good option. When the time comes, fine, go to heaven. But until then, it's not your time. Excuse me. When we realize, or when we pray for the thorn to be removed, for the pain to be removed, for the hardship to be removed, and we realize it's not something to be removed from us. In other words, it's not sin. This, this, this situation I'm experiencing is not just because I'm wrong or I'm sinful or I need repentance. This is just life. What I'm going through is hard and it's just part of this season. That's when we pray, God, give me courage. God, give me strength. Help me stand. Help me fight this battle for your glory. And I want you to know, whether it's for today or later, brother and sister, this season of heaviness, temptation, emotional suffering or sorrow, difficulty, physical pain... 
loss of a job, loss of loved ones, loss of friends, whatever it is. It might be a battle that God's not supposed to remove you from yet because He intends you to stand. Be a good soldier through it. And that's what we're supposed to do, go to battle. Why? Part of the reason we're supposed to stand and go to battle and be faithful soldiers is so we can lead others to do the same. I spent a lot of time over a decade working with veterans, soldiers, Marines, airmen, all of them, Coast Guard, Navy guys, all, all of them. And there's a culture, there's a, an ethos that you start to be able to identify. You could, not without fail, but I can almost tell when somebody served. It doesn't matter what they're, you can tell, there's just, there's a difference. And you, sometimes you can tell which branch they're in. You can tell special forces guys carry themselves different. You can tell. Those people recognize anybody who's been in combat, in battle, they want somebody ahead of them, leading them, who's been there. The last thing they want is some book smart expert officer. They'll take a sergeant over a lieutenant any day. Isn't that right, brother? They want somebody who's been there. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying live a bad life, have a bunch of sins so you can attest to all God saved you from. You do the very best you can and you'll have plenty to talk about Him saving you from. Because you're going to mess up. And even when you don't, life's going to happen. But listen, it's not all about you. I want you to get that, the pain, the suffering, the battle. Sometimes God lets you experience it just so you can guide somebody else when they're going through it. And it's worth it. When I was in Germany, I helped a, a soldier, sergeant. I forget what he was, probably a first sergeant. He was over quite a few men and got into his medical records and saw what it, some of what he'd been through. And I don't want to repeat it. It was terrible stuff. And I said, how are you still functional? How are you still, like, you seem okay. H how is that possible? Everything you've seen, all the combat deployments you've had, all of the things you've been through and the people you've lost and the people you've had to take care of, how, how is that possible? You know what he said? I don't have an option. I have to be strong for the men that are under me. That wasn't false strength. It wasn't bravado. It, it, he was saying, I've been there. I've done that. And if I don't stand, who will? That's what he told me. If I don't do this, who will? Brothers, sisters, that's part of our role as Christians. People don't preach like this much anymore, but we're not just called to feel better all the time. We're called to work. And working is as a soldier. It's battle. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty. They're spiritual to the tearing down of strongholds. Just in case somebody misunderstands, I'm not talking about guns and arrows and bows and spears, swords. I'm talking about spiritual weapons that are more powerful than any of that. Hmm. Experience is the only sure teacher for war. The only way to become a truly effective soldier is to make it through battles. 
They'll tell you that. Boot camp's one thing. Combat's a whole different thing. Combat training is one thing. Real combat's a whole... I can watch fight videos all that I want to, and I can learn all the techniques. You get Brother Allen and me out in the front here grappling, he's going to break my arm off if he wants to. Not just because he's bigger, because he's trained. He's got experience. He's been through it over and over and over. And I haven't. There's a difference. And probably Jody could do the same thing to me because she's been trained and I haven't. I don't want to try it. I don't like, I don't, I don't like pain. I'm not going to... Listen, there's a fire inside me that God put there, but I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't like pain. I don't want to get in a fight. I don't... I don't ugh. But when it matters, through God's grace, I'll stand. I have to. Because if I don't, who else will? Maybe you will. But if you don't, who else will? Hmm. Here's something else. The battle. It's not just um, to teach you. It's not just to help you help somebody else. Sometimes the battle is to help you grow. You don't want to be a baby all your life. The only people who don't go to battle are babies. Part of the problem with religion is we got too many babies that should be men and women. They've, they've avoided every battle their whole life. Don't hurt my feelings. Don't make me uncomfortable. Only say nice things. They go from church to church and they find one that doesn't offend them. Don't do that. Take the meat of the word with the milk of the word. Take it all and let God change you how he wants to. Sometimes we go through things that are beyond our power, they're hard. And we can tell later somebody else who's going through something similar. I've been through something like that. You want to hear how I survived? You want to know why I'm not there anymore? Then we can tell them about our savior. That's the point. trying to lean on the Lord, listen to Him, and see if I... I I had some scripture I was going to read, and I'm just not sure if I should spend the time reading it. I'm going to read you something. Five years ago, the Lord put a message on my heart that was heavy, and I listened to it this week. And if it wasn't meant for anybody else, it was meant for me five years in the future when I preached it. And in that message, I uh, read this letter that I had written to a person who was struggling. He's somebody who had written to us from hearing the sermons online. And he said that he uh, had been saved when he was young and had gone through so much in his life, he felt like God had removed himself from him and he no longer felt the Lord and there was no longer any point to any of it. And this is what I wrote back to him. It goes with what's on my heart today, so I, want, I feel like I should read it. I told him, your email brings up one of two possibilities. Either your current despair is meant to draw you to repentance and surrender to the Lord for salvation. And let me pause here and say this to anyone listening, here or online. 
Sometimes the things in life that are too much, the despair, the sadness, the depression, you need to make sure you've ever been delivered. You need to make sure if you've really been saved, first of all. Because, yes, life has battles, trials, and hardships, but as a child of God, your life is not supposed to be unrelentlessly miserable. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. If your life is constant depression, constant despair, constant sorrow, without any relief from it, make sure you know God. I'm not saying you don't. Because I'm not in a position to say a person's season of suffering is longer than it it should be. I don't know. But make sure. That's the first thing. I'll continue what what I wrote to him. Or, if you have been saved, then your current despair is what is common to all men at different times in our lives. I cannot know your heart or the condition of your soul or where you will spend eternity. Only you and God can know this. But, if you have had a supernatural experience with God which resulted in a new birth, like Jesus told Nicodemus about in John 3, then you may be in a spiritual battle for your mind and for your very life. If that's the case, don't give up hope. Brother, God doesn't give up on His children who fall. If you've been truly saved by the grace of God, He has forgiven you for all sins, past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus is of infinite value. And for all who have truly come to Him in faith and unconditional surrender, all of their sins have been covered by Jesus' blood. The only way we can have confidence to the end is if the finished work is in Jesus' power and not in us or our own faithfulness. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the end. Philippians 1.6 The Ephesian letter tells us that we are sealed to the day of redemption. This is a seal that cannot be broken. All of God's children are stamped with this seal which says, This one is mine. Jesus prayed to His Father, Those you've given me I've kept and none of them is lost. John tells us in his epistle, his seed, God's Holy Spirit remaineth in us and we cannot sin. And yet Paul spoke of the battle that's so prevalent in men that he called it a law warring in his members that when I would do good, evil is present with me. When we understand what both John and Paul were teaching, it brings us a complete truth, which on the surface might appear contradictory. The truth is this, when God saves a man, he declares him righteous by the blood of Jesus and no matter what that man may do, he is sealed to the day of redemption. If you're saved, you can't be unsaved. The man is justified because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and what God has truly redeemed can never be lost. And yet, the battle in our bodies rages on. Like Paul, I too find this law warring in my body. There's so many times I sin, but I know I'm saved because when I do sin, I have contrition and brokenness and desire of the Lord's forgiveness, and He upholds me with His mercy and gives me an even greater hunger for His presence. I've faced internal battles this year. This was five years ago. I've faced internal battles this year that have been greater than any I've faced in my 12 years in the ministry. A true battle for my life and for my sanity at times. And through this, the Lord revealed a truth to me. This is what I said earlier. There are times God cannot remove us from the battle because we're soldiers and are being hardened as soldiers for this spiritual battle. There are times that the battle itself is not evidence of our own sinfulness, but evidence of the spiritual warfare that's waging for us. Temptation itself is not sin, although temptation can lead to guilt, which in turn separates us from God's love, at least in our own minds for a time. 
The adversary is always trying to destroy the good things of God, and he is always trying to destroy the children of God as well. Oh, how many times I've gotten to the end of my own strength and cried out to the Lord in complete raw honesty, I can't live like this anymore. You have to help me. And only in those times of repeated unconditional surrender have I experienced a strengthening for the battle at hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's okay to be weak. Take it to the Lord. I'm going to close and read just a portion of, of a psalm. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Brothers and sisters, when you go through trying times, hard times, difficult times, seasons of dark shadows, pain, trials, difficulties, suffering, think of this. Lord, this is the answer. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. You return man to dust, and you say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it's past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like the grass that's renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or if by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us and for as many years as we've seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to the children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to read one more. Lamentations. Jeremiah talked about how much misery had happened in his life and the people around him. This is when the Lord was punishing Israel for their sin. And these old men of God, this is a lesson for us. They didn't talk about the fates. They didn't talk about tragedy striking. They went to the Lord and said, forgive us. Relent, let up. <laughs> forgive us. They recognized that Things came from God. But he said, after all this pain and despair and brokenness, he said, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In the next verse, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Brothers and sisters, is God your portion? Is He what you need to eat, to have sustenance, to have strength? When you go through hard things or when you've been through hard things, I'm sure we could sit down with some of our elders here, some of these with gray and white hair, 
you've been through some stuff. You've been through life. You've had pain. You've had suffering. And you can tell us. Unless the Lord's your portion, you're not going to be okay. Unless the Lord's your strength, you're not going to be okay. Lean on Him. Trust in Him and He'll give you the desires of your hearts. That's the the message God gave me. When, When tragedy strikes, lean on Him. Or whatever word you want to use. When life is hard, you don't have control over what happens in life. What other people do. You know what you have control over? What you do in response. Stop trying to figure out why. Get out of your head and just get focused on the Lord. This is in my heart too, so I feel like I should say it. My wife, um, she's been through quite a bit since I've known her. And when she goes through something hard, I see this most beautiful grace of God. Like, the most clear depiction. It's like, um, the very best part of who she is comes to the surface. I saw it when she was paralyzed and in the hospital, and I've seen it the last couple weeks. And it's a beautiful reminder. And I wouldn't trade it. This is personal, but it's okay because we're people. People should should be personal. And uh, y'all are my family. I love you. Um, when we got pregnant, it was just after Nanny passed away. And I thought, I didn't think it. I felt it. I thought the Lord has given life in the space of death. And then when we lost our baby, Merritt told me this, and it was beautiful. She said, I'm really sad, but it's really comforting to think that maybe Nanny got to meet our baby before we did. Isn't that beautiful? I hope you feel this. Whatever you've been through, whatever pain, whatever hardship, whatever tragedy, two things I want to leave you with. God cares and he can help. I love y'all. And I hope this message is a strength to you, now or later. This is real. And I'm thank- aren't you thankful we don't have some fake religion? We have real life, and real pain, and real joy, and a real God. 